The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Becky. Technically, my name is Rebecca Eileen Riggers, but you can call me Becky. Um, and I thought, since we're talking about names, it's really important for you guys to learn my name. So if, if you haven't met me, come introduce yourself after the inn. Uh, for those of you who have been around this summer, at least, um, you know that we're looking at the book of Exodus. And the past few weeks, we've actually started into the Ten Commandments. You've heard Emily and Ryan talk about the first two commandments. It starts with actually a statement, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. And the past couple of weeks, as we've looked at those, what we've learned in our brief foray into the Ten Commandments is that they're more than just a list of rules, that they're about a relationship, that they show us how to live into a relationship with God. So tonight we're going to look at the third commandment, which is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's the NIV's version of something that might be more familiar to you. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I know that's the one I've heard the most. That's King James version, New King James. And then the message says, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. Now, my history with this commandment uh, starts, I think I was in about second grade, second or third grade. I was in campfire and I was at some sort of family camp or day camp. I don't really remember because honestly, the only thing I remember about this entire camping experience is this moment when we're out on some kind of playing field, playing some kind of sport, and I was in an argument with this girl and I just go, oh my, insert God's name here, okay? And all she said to me, I don't even know this girl, she goes, mom, that girl just took God's name in vain. And I'm like... What are you talking about? Uh, first of all, we had vain as a word bird word in first grade, and it meant conceited. So how do you take a name conceitedly? That doesn't even make sense. I seriously was totally confused by what this girl was talking about. And what I've come to discover over the years is that this is a commandment that is confusing for a lot of us, um, even still today. And at this point, we actually start to make it into a debate. So, okay. I can't say the name of God. Can I say gosh or geez? And it just becomes, spirals down into a debate. So we tend to simplify this commandment into just, just don't use God's name as a curse word and you'll be all right. Basically, think twice before saying the word God. And that's certainly part of what it means to <clears throat> what this commandment is telling us to do. But I think that if that's how we translate the commandment entirely, and that's, all it means, I think we're missing a big part of it. There's so much more at stake than just when do we say God's name and when do we not. In fact, um, in the King James Version, like you saw, it's translated the word take in vain. And in the NIV, it's translated as misuse. That word actually means to empty. In another part of the Old Testament, that same word is translated hollow sound. Take something that should be really full and make it 
hollow and worthless, to empty it of its meaning. So now the commandment reads, don't empty God's name of its meaning. But that doesn't really help make it less confusing. How do you empty a name and how do we do that? So before we unpack that, go into it further, let's pray. Lord, uh, I pray that you would speak through me tonight, that you would be, um, make yourself known to each and every one of us in this room. Lord, we thank you for the gift that these commandments are, and we pray that you would open our eyes to the gift that you've given us. We love you. We pray this in your name. So what's so important about names to God that he puts them in his top ten list, if you will? Uh, Well, most of you, it looks like, receive name tags at the door. So you see that we kind of value names here, too. Um, Have you ever wondered why we, at the inn, do name tags for everybody? Avalanche has wondered that. Especially during the school year. When there's 700 people packing this place out, why do we take a little piece of paper and make sure everybody has a name tag? Well, it's because as a staff, we value knowing your name and being able to call you by your name. And granted, some of us have to look at your name like every time we talk to you. So it's helpful to have it there. But our hope is that we would eventually learn your name because doesn't it make you feel important when people know your name? Have you ever met that person who remembers your name even though you met them once and it was like three years ago? Yeah, that makes you feel pretty good because you're like, wow, I had a really big impact in that person's life if they remembered my name from that one meeting three years ago. Janie Stewart's kind of like that. She remembers everybody's name. It's crazy. I, on the other hand, you're all thinking, you didn't get that gift, did you, Becky? And the answer is no, I did not. Um, In fact, short story, I was writing name tags at the end when I was in college, and my best friend came to the door, and I said... Jamie, it seriously took me that long. Like, I'm not so good with names, especially when I'm put on the spot like that. My goodness. I'd known her since fifth grade. Don't worry about it. Um, So anyway, don't feel bad if I've forgotten your name. Have you ever experienced, though, somebody important to you, like who you've, like, divulged your whole life to, totally forgetting your name? It doesn't make you feel very good. I actually have a, a video clip a visual example of this happening to someone. Um, you guys may have heard about the TV show Arrested Development. It, um, this, in this clip, Job, who is on the left, is talking to Michael, and he's talking about he just received divorce papers from his wife. And so he's talking about his wife who sells seals. I've never known you to look after a seal. Turns out it's a major hassle. Try to include one in my act once. There's a reason that you don't typically see live seals in a magic show. So the simple wave of my... Oh, look it! Over there! Well, one of the desperate housewives. So desperate. So I released them from whence they came, and now she's stomping on my heart. What's her first name? Quickly. Crindy. Name's not Crindy, Joe. Ah, uh, Saul Zinsman. No, that's her lawyer. Well, she's got a name. And I'm going to find out what it is, and then I'm going to make a pun on it, and that's what I'll call her. Bad example. If her name's Amy, I'll call her Blamey. That's a strong defense. I'll tell you what, I'll help you look for Barry tomorrow. I think Dad prepaid him for Lindsay. I think my favorite part is, well, she's got a name. Very good, Job. (laughs) Forgetting your wife's name, that's really bad. I do not recommend it. Uh, 
But it also shows us how lightly Job was taking that relationship overall. It's really hard for him to claim that she is stomping on his heart when he can't even remember her name. I have another example of the importance of getting a name right, and this time I brought show and tell also. This is uh, from Kyrgyzstan when I was on deputation. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Barf, strong cleaner. I am not kidding. This was not purchased at Archie McPhee's. This is what we cleaned our laundry with in Kyrgyzstan. Barf. On the side, it says, use barf with its rich suds for washing silk clothes. I mean, rich suds of barf just makes me want to barf. For washing silk clothes, cottons, nylons, and wools. Barf, with its cleaning power, washes dishes, tiles, and bath accessories. (laughs) This one's my favorite. Warning! Do not use barf to wash hands, (laughs) face, body, and food materials. Keep out of the reach of children. Yeah, we used barf to wash our clothes in Kyrgyzstan. And... Barf actually means in Persian, it means snow, I found out later. But needless to say, this is a sad name if they're trying to market it in English, which they clearly are because that's English right there. (laughs) Strong cleaner. Uh, And also needless to say, if they were to try to market it in the United States, I would want to write their commercials because (laughs) that would be such a fun job. But I would not want to purchase stock in the company because I don't think it would go very far because it's such... An unfortunate name. Well, like I said, the importance of getting a name right, uh, I think we've clearly demonstrated. And the third commandment reminds us of the importance of the name. Taking God's name in vain, though, goes beyond swearing. Whether we're talking about like a pinky swear, a promise, or a curse, it goes beyond that. It's about identity, reputation, This commandment is about God's reputation. And we break this commandment when we dishonor God with the way we represent or talk about God. Just as our name is tied to our status and our reputation, God's name is tied to God's status in the world and God's reputation. And this is especially true in Hebrew culture. Uh, When the commandment was first heard, In ancient Jewish culture and even to Orthodox Jews today, they won't even say the name Yahweh for fear of getting it wrong, for fear of offending God if they pronounce it incorrectly, for fear of just, if I say Yahweh, just by virtue of me saying it, I've already defamed the name of God. Needless to say, names are pretty darn important. They're important to us, as we've seen, and they're important in the Hebrew culture especially. Have you ever noticed how many of our worship songs talk about the name of God? Um, Apparently Tom doesn't know the song, but I swear it's your name and your renown that I live for now. I think it's like David Crowder. Uh, It's, excuse me? It's Sean Groves. It's a good song. You should listen to it sometime. Uh, If you went to camp this summer, as I know at least a couple of you did, Lord, I lift your name on high might ring a bell. But why isn't it like just, Lord, I lift you on high? What's the name part of it? I mean, many of these lyrics, though, are taken straight out of the Psalms. If you want proof that the Hebrews really valued the name, look no further than the Psalms. Have you ever wondered why we sing those, that word? Why do we sing about the name of God? 
Well, for a Hebrew, the name of God can't be separated from the reality. It's not, that's your name, but this is who you are. Your name is part of who you are. They're tied together. It's associated with the character of the one to which it belongs. So when we sing praise to God's name, we're singing praise to who God is, to God's character. Lord, I lift who you are on high so that people can see you. I know who you are. I know your character. And therefore, I want it to be known by all. Now, let's look real quick at the context again of the the Ten Commandments as a whole. Remember, three weeks ago, I was up here talking about deliverance. God's just delivered the Israelites from slavery. They were enslaved for generations, and God delivers them, brings them to Sinai, where they start, they get the Ten Commandments. Remember who I am. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make for yourself an idol. And now we get a transitional commandment. Don't take my name in vain. And I say it's transitional because we're moving from commandments that are about God, the ones that I just read, to commandments that are about how we interact with each other, which you'll hear about in the next two weeks. This commandment is both about God and about how we interact with each other. This commandment basically says, I've showed you who I am. I deliver. I go before you. I go with you. I provide. And we are in relationship. So take who I am and don't damage my reputation. I told you earlier that you're going to get to hear my most embarrassing story. Yeah, here it is. Okay, it happened a month ago. <laughs> and it definitely damaged my reputation, in my opinion. So um, I lost my wallet. That's not the embarrassing part. Though it's kind of embarrassing. It's like, how does your wallet just disappear? I'm not sure. I never did find it. But I was pretty sure I'd left it at this restaurant. So I called the restaurant, and they said they didn't have it. But it was one of those, hold on, let me check. No, we don't have it. And so I thought, I'm going to go in because they clearly don't care enough. So I went in and I said, have you guys found a red wallet in the last 24 hours or so? And I'm talking to the hostess and she says, well, let me check. And she comes back and right as she comes back, this, this waitress comes up to me and she just stands behind me and puts her hand on my shoulder. And then she just looks me, <laughs> she just looks me in the eye and then she looks down at my back and then she looks at um, and I'm like, oh, crap, there's a spider on me or something. And so I'm like, get it off. Oh, and I look down. And there's underwear. <laughs> it's clean. Hanging from my shorts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And get this. I had walked Kitsu that morning with those shorts on, which means I had displayed my underwear to the entire neighborhood. It was pretty awesome. Um, cause, cause just to defend myself, my shorts have like a Velcro enclosure and they were in the clean laundry. And so I just grabbed them out and it stuck to the Velcro. If you're wondering how I had underwear hanging from my shorts and walked around the neighborhood and drove to the restaurant with underwear, that's how. So of course I'm like, oh, ha, yeah, that's funny. And I put it in my pocket And the the best part is that then uh, the woman says, well, let me take down your name and phone number and we'll call you if we find your wallet. Because they've got to be thinking, wow, this lady is like, she's totally lost it. And while they're kind of right, still, I'm not quite as 
far gone as they thought I was. And I'm thinking, I don't really want to give you my name and phone number. I really want to just get out of here totally anonymously. But here it goes. Becky Riggers, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, needless to say, my reputation was a little bit diminished by that experience. And that's exactly what this commandment is admonishing us to protect for God, protect his reputation. Well, how do we do that? Last week, Ryan talked about the grand positive. How do we see where these commandments are pointing us beyond just the thou shall not? What is the positive action these commandments are pointing us to? In this case, we take what I said earlier, which is just don't dishonor God with the way we represent and talk about God. Well, the grand positive becomes pretty clear. Honor God with the way we talk and interact with God. How do I honor this God who wants to be in relationship with me? Now, there's certainly a sense of reverence that comes with honor. And like I said earlier, it's certainly part of what it means to not take the name of God in vain, to be careful how we use God's name. As we saw in the message translation, God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. We honor God's name by taking the name of God seriously. And I do think in our culture, for sure, we've lost a little bit of this. We've lost the fear of God in Christian culture a little bit in effort to make Jesus our buddy, um, to make Jesus our homeboy. I'm sure you've seen the shirts and the hats. Um, I think we've lost a little bit of the perspective of the awe of God's power. Now, don't get me wrong. God has called us his friends. He says it himself. I call you my friend. In fact, God has invited us to call on him. And we don't have to worry about, oh, but what if I say God's name wrong and then I'm going to bring disrespect upon it. We can call on God whenever we want. But I do think that we've swung to the opposite extreme, not just fearing God and not just calling God our homeboy. Like, I think there's a middle ground that we can find. We worship God out of respect and admiration for who God is. So we can honor God by developing a proper level of respect and fear. So if in vain, if to take God's name in vain is to totally empty it of its meaning, then the reverse is giving weight. It's important. God's name is important. So it requires us to use God's name properly. But this commandment's also a warning against taking God himself lightly. So remember I said a name, especially in Hebrew culture, isn't separate from their identity. Therefore, it's more than just a word that we say. So we break the third commandment when we say we believe in God, but we don't live like it. I'll say that again. We break the third commandment when we say we believe in God, but we don't live like it. That's a little more complex than just being careful when we say the word God. But it makes sense if you think about it. If we invoke the name of God, if we say we believe in God and then do evil, if we say we believe in God and then act in unloving ways toward our neighbor, we're damaging the reputation of God, are we not? If we cut someone off in traffic and we have a fish on the back of our car, 
we're doing damage to the name of God, or if we have a bumper sticker, for example. Now, that doesn't mean we should take the fish off and continue to cut people off. That doesn't mean we should stop using God's name altogether or saying we believe in God. That doesn't mean we should change our Facebook status, religious beliefs, to blank so that people don't get confused by what we're posting in our pictures. What we should do is act in ways that honor God and reveal to others the God of love, the God who redeems and delivers. So if we break this command when we say we believe in God but don't live like it, then we're fulfilling the command when we say we believe in God and act accordingly, act in response to the love of God. And I think there's actually, that sounds really like vague and out there, but I think there's some really simple ways we can determine if we are acting in response to God. And a couple of questions that come to my mind are, how do we spend our money? How do you spend your money? How do we spend our time? If our answers are inconsistent with the character of God, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. That's a very different definition than just, I can't say, oh my, insert the Lord's name here. If our answers to how we spend our money and how we spend our time are inconsistent with the character of God, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. We're emptying it of its power. We're defaming the reputation of God. Now, commandments 4 through 10 are going to tell us a little bit more about how to walk the walk. But it's important for us to remember that we're not trying to walk the walk. We're not trying to bring honor to God because we want to check off all of these commandments so that we can get to heaven or so that even we can be in relationship with God. We're already offered the relationship. The commandments are a way for us to live into that relationship. They are a response from the relationship we've already been offered. Earlier in Exodus, Exodus 9:16, God says, "But I have raised you up for this very purpose." And I have to stop here and think, God's about to tell me the meaning of life. I have raised you up for this very purpose. Okay, tell me my purpose. That I, God, might show you my power and that my name, my reputation might be proclaimed in all the earth. God redeemed us and delivered us so that we might proclaim his name throughout all the earth. Another way to say this, we are blessed to be a blessing. So who are we proclaiming by the way we live our lives? By the way you live your life, will people be drawn to the name of God or will they be repelled, repulsed by the name of God, or maybe indifferent to the name of God. I think our answer tells us if we're breaking or fulfilling this commandment. The commandment, do not take God's name in vain. It sounds so simple. But the commandment to the Hebrews is the same as the commandment is to us today. Protect God's reputation. Revere God, and in so doing, Project God's character and proclaim who God is throughout all the earth. 